fixing Michigan, it was about reinventing Michigan. You've heard me say that many times. Fixing was not good enough. We needed to reinvent things. I was fortunate enough to have the honor of getting elected with reinvention being the goal. During this period, we've had huge ups and downs. It hasn't been a straight line. But overall, there's no question that Michigan is a far better state today than 2010. Far better state today than 2010. That was Governor Rick Snyder delivering his final state of the state address at the state capitol last night. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Our two-term governor is trying to shape up his legacy, one he's hopeful We'll focus on investment in Detroit, a road funding package passing through the legislature, and a rebounded economy. Not on his list a whole lot last night were some other things, including much talk about the Flint water crisis, which I think will uh, always be a huge part of this governor's legacy, whether he wants to, uh, whether he wants it to be or not. Snyder used his speech to highlight all of the initiatives he felt were most successful over the past eight years and just didn't use a lot of space to call for new or bold initiatives as he rounds out his time as chief executive. But it, that, that controversy that uh, has shadowed his governorship for eight years is always going to be one of the things that people turn to. Don't forget also the right to work dust up or the mixed reviews of Detroit's bankruptcy proceedings. And that's where we want to start the show today, talking about Governor Rick Snyder's final state of the state. What did you think of it? What did you think about what the, the governor said about his record of accomplishment over the last eight years? What did you think about the things he did propose uh, last night? Uh, think of the announcement that he's going to make, he says, the largest increase to the foundation allowance for schools uh, in 15 years. That is a big deal. I'm very curious to hear the details of that. Where is he going to get that money? Is that really going to be an increase, uh, or is it going to be offset by other things? We, of course, want to hear from you uh, this hour as we talk about what the governor said last night. The number on the phones, as always, is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Also remember that at uh, 11 o'clock today on Facebook Live, uh, you can catch up with me, uh, WDET's Pat Bachelor and News Director Jerome Vaughn. We are going to talk about the governor's state of the state uh, speech. We'll get uh, their reactions to what he said. But joining us now to talk about what the governor said last night is Matt Resch. He's uh, of Resch Strategies PR firm. He's a sp former spokesperson for then-Lieutenant Governor Dick Posthumus. Uh, and with us is Susan Demas, who is the publisher of Inside Michigan Politics. Matt and Susan, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. So let's start with the two of you uh, giving your uh, sort of thumbnail reactions to the governor's speech, the tone of it, the content, uh, the last of eight uh, that we will see from, from this governor. Susan, I'll start with you. Well, you know, I, I think that uh, it comes as no surprise that the speech was a little dry. Uh, Governor Rick Snyder is not known for being a spellbinding speaker. <laughs> um, you know, and that's, people knew that when they elected him twice. So, you know, I don't think anybody expects fireworks. 
Um, his speeches tend to have a formula. Um, there's a lot on the comeback and the economy and touting progress under his tenure. Mm -hmm. uh, he took, I think it was about a half hour in before he mentioned the Flint water crisis, which, you know, as you noted, is going to define his legacy, at least in part. Um, but, you know, it's very typical for any governor to talk about their successes and bury any of the negatives. So um, why would we expect Rick Snyder to be any different? <laughs> right, right. Uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, uh, Matt Resch, what was your, your reaction to the governor's speech? Yeah, you know, it really wasn't a very surprising speech uh, for, as far as the governor goes. He's never been one to take this opportunity in this, this event to unroll large, long lists of bold proposals. That's not anything that he's ever used this, this speech for. Um, and last night was really no different. Um, you know, it's, it is striking when you think back to uh, the economic state that, that we found ourselves in when he took office and a lot of the very real numbers and progress that he outlined last night, a lot has happened and a lot on his watch economically has been very positive for Michigan and for Detroit. And uh, I think that he, he clearly wanted to make that point. He wanted to remind people a little bit of where we were and how far we've come. And you know what, it, it, that's his right to do. It's his last speech. He's on his way out. Uh, he's looking at a, a year ahead uh, with the legislature that is going to be a crazy election year and very little is going to happen in the Capitol. I think practically speaking, he knows there's not a lot that he can hope to accomplish still uh, in the next year. And so wanted to go out by letting folks know exactly where we've come. Yeah. Uh, so the, the governor started his speech with uh, two placards that he had up there. One from, I think, uh, 2009 or 10 uh, from the Wall Street Journal talking about uh, Michigan as uh, a state that you wouldn't want to mimic, that you wouldn't want to use as a model uh, for the way that you ran things in your own state. And then one uh, far more recently from the same newspaper uh, touting uh, Michigan as the comeback state. I thought that was a pretty that was a pretty clever prop use. Uh, but but I want to talk about that uh, that framing because I think uh, as, as this governorship sort of winds down, that is the framing that he's going to use or is going to want to use to try to describe uh, the time that he's had in, in office. I want both of you to react to how much credit uh, you think he should be taking. Uh, and, and, and I want you to do it in the context of not just the numbers that we've seen in terms of the unemployment rate, uh, job creation, things like that, but also poll numbers that came out yesterday in the Detroit News and WDIV that show that most Michiganders now say that uh, the state's not better off than it was uh, 10 years ago and, and why that may, may sort of eat away, I guess, at that legacy that Snyder is trying to, to, to carve. Uh, Matt Resch, I'll start with you this time. Well, I think there is a, there is some a kind of a divide in the governor's record. Um, he clearly, you know, it, it's it's no mystery. He's a, he's a CPA, uh, an accountant, a nerd, as he calls himself. And I think <laughs> that when you look at some of the successes, they're very much in that kind of fiscal that fiscal management. Get our house in order. Let's balance the budget. Let's put money away in the savings account. You know, very very kind of grandfatherly advice kind of things about you know let's let's save and make sure we're we're 
uh, prosperous and can plan for the future. And I think he's managed managed state government very well in that in that aspect. I think those are not often things, and I think you make a good point. And I think you don't have to look much farther than the White House to see that it's not that long ago that there were a number of people in Michigan who were still not feeling like they were they were they were turning the chan- turning the corner and were willing to you know take a flyer on who they voted for for president. Um, but the other side of it is that you know there have been in the cases of, of Flint in particular some real instances of institutional lack of institutional control really yes. to kind of borrow a, a university sports phrase <laughs> and and you think that there is this real fiscal he's got his hands around the fiscal purses and and really has managed that very well um, at the same time there have been some things on the management side that have just fallen short and I think you've mentioned and will, will clearly be a part of his legacy going forward yeah yeah uh, Susan. Well, it's not popular to say this, but governors always get too much credit when the economy is doing well, and they get too much blame when it's not. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's natural for voters to um, blame or credit the person at the top. Um, And, you know, that's the way it always has been. But there's absolutely no doubt that Michigan's economy is in far better shape than when he took office in 2011. Um, It's striking that he doesn't seem to be getting the credit for it that you would expect from voters, especially having been reelected. Um, you know, his, his poll numbers are, are a warning sign, not just for his lieutenant governor, mm-hmm. but for any Republican running for governor, because the economy should be the strongest thing that the party has going for it. So, you know, the fact that Rick Snyder is the eighth most unpopular governor, I believe, according to latest polling, um, you know, lowest of his colleagues in the Great Lakes, John Kasich in Ohio, who was elected at the same time, Scott Walker up in Wisconsin. I, I think it shows that there are definitely some people who don't feel that the economic comeback has hit them as personally. But, you know, it, things like the Flint water crisis have, have damaged him. And, and perhaps, you know, uh, whoever is the Republican nominee will we'll get some of uh, that baggage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. If you want to join the conversation, 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page. Put your comments there. Go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. What do you think of the governor jo- uh, the, the job that Governor Rick Snyder has done? What did you like over the last several years? What do you think deserves criticism? And are we better off now than we were in 2010 when the governor was elected and took office in 2011? What do you think about uh, Governor Rick Snyder and the speech that he gave last night? Uh, Pretty technical speech for most of the time. But, of course, in the last couple of minutes, we saw a little bit of emotion out of the governor as he talked about leaving office after eight years, uh, made direct uh, appeals to to take a look at his children and how they had sort of grown and changed over that time, talked a little about the state. What do you think about the ability of this governor to connect uh, with people in the state? One of the things that I've always taken note of during these speeches, how well does he emote? How well does he seem to be connecting with the issues that people care about as opposed to just accountants. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to James in Sumter Township. James, welcome to Detroit Today. Welcome. Um, I heard the promo for about the Snyder speech. Uh, I just hit the exit. The Davidson exit off of I-96 uh, jarred my truck apart. 
and, and just thinking about Snyder taking credit for every pothole that I hit, it's amazing. <laughs> right? Uh, that, that's another, I think, real caveat to uh, the, the credit that the governor would claim for a turnaround, uh, the, the, the state of our roads. He talked about it a little bit last night. Uh, didn't get into the details, though. He says he does want to... Uh, pay some attention this last year to the aging infrastructure that we have and, and do some things. But but I, I think, uh, and I said this uh, last night as well, I think the failure of the road plan that was on the ballot, uh, which you, you can't blame the governor for, I don't think, uh, but I think it changed the tenor of the way people think about money for roads, money for infrastructure, and we've never recovered from that. Uh, it, it, it put it all in the category of, uh, tax increase and and sort of uh, nuisance spending, I guess, uh, and and we haven't been able to get people back in the space where they can talk about the money that we need for infrastructure and raising it. And the governor, I, I think, in his speech last night, seems to be throwing in the towel a little bit on that one and saying that's going to be something that uh, that the next uh, that the next governor uh, has to deal with. Susan Demas, what what did you think of uh, his talk about roads and infrastructure? Well, I, I think one of the issues with roads is that, you know, eventually there was a more modest plan that was passed by the legislature and Much the governor modest, signed. Yeah. But, you know, I, I talk with voters a lot and roads are a big issue. And, you know, the biggest thing I hear is that nobody sees any difference. I mean, you know, they may or may not notice um, paying more for their voter for their uh, driver's uh, registration mm-hmm or, you know, at the pump, but they definitely notice that their cars are still hitting potholes. And so, you know, I think it feeds into people's belief that government doesn't spend money correctly, nothing ever gets done. And, you know, when the road tax went down, which the governor's office did write shotgun on, um, you know, that that was his initiative. Um, Shortly afterwards, you know, we had the Flint water crisis explode with an, another problem with infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And so we have so many problems in this state that need to be tackled, and they all cost a lot of money. And people don't necessarily want to pay for it, but they want solutions. And, yeah. you know, it does put the governor and the legislature in a bind. Yeah. Uh, Matt Rush, uh, w- one of the things I think is, is really difficult in Lansing right now, and maybe in Washington too, is – uh, this sort of extreme position that some Republicans have, and in, in, in the case of our legislature, I think it might even be the majority, uh, that, that taxes should always be going down, uh, that any tax increase for any reason uh, is a theft of people's money, uh, the idea that we can always do more with less, uh, that we, we should be uh, about efficiency and not revenue, these kind of things. I think uh, that explains... The difficulty we've had raising money for roads, uh, raising money for infrastructure, but it also explains the difficulty that this governor has had dealing with the other politicians around him to get them to to think of these things in different terms. And I think that now trickles down to voters uh, who who have bought in large part into this narrative that says uh, taxes are always bad. Well, I think they look at who's spending the money. And I think that a lot of taxpayers, and I think some of the the sentiments that Republicans in the legislature are are voicing on behalf of are those folks who look at state government 
or look at you know the federal government and say, okay, well, I could spend, I could give you tax dollars, but I also can watch how you waste them and don't spend them well. And while I hate potholes and I wish my car wasn't broken, I know I can spend my money better than you guys are clearly demonstrating that you can spend my money. Yeah. So I'm like, am I opposed to paying taxes? No, I'll pay my fair share. But if I give you a check and I write you that money, don't waste it. Don't uh, don't spend it on on things that we don't think that we don't value. Don't don't take it and, and mismanage and and create crises that then lead you to come back and ask for more. Um, and I think that is really the sentiment. It is not you know tax cuts for tax cuts' sake. It's that there is there are folks out there who are earning the money and can do a better job spending it on their behalf than folks uh, in in buildings here in Lansing or in Washington D.C. And I think that that is you know that's been you know the argument over tax cuts is not new. It's not going away. I think one thing that'll be fascinating to watch, and you mentioned in the open, the governor's proposal for uh, increased education spending and whether or not he actually he he goes as far as to position it as an either or and to take the take the revenue that that many republicans in the legislature are are looking to to uh, push through a tax cut and put that as how he's going to pay for an increase in school funding yeah and and watch the fun that ensues with all of that yeah <laughs> right that should be a uh, a really interesting argument to watch unfold. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about Governor Rick Snyder's State of the State Address and his legacy as he finishes his term as Governor of Michigan. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Richard and Ham Tramick, Hodo in Detroit, Tom in Detroit, Charlie in Detroit, and John on the east side. We'll get to you. Stay with us on Detroit Today. WDET, bringing you culture and information that empowers our community. Every day on 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. Well, we have a broken culture in our political world where it's okay to say we can spend money or we can cut taxes. And do that now for short-term benefit and leave the bill for the kids that are beyond. I don't think that's right either. If we're gonna do something, let's make sure we're paying for it. Because one of the things we don't think up often enough in this political world is not just the consequences on us today, but shouldn't we always be asking the question, how do we make it so future generations are better off, not worse off, because of debt we burden them with? That again was Governor Rick Snyder during his eighth and final State of the State address Tuesday night in Lansing, talking about the responsibility that he thinks we have now to make sure that we don't put burdens, undue burdens on our children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren to try to clean up messes later. It was one of several points he made about his legacy as governor eight years in the office. Coming to an end at the end of this year, we want to know what you thought about the governor's speech. We want to know about what you think about the governor's time in office. Uh, what did what did you what did you feel about that last speech he gave? Uh, on the state of our state. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. Also joining us now uh, to talk about uh, the governor and his legacy and his speech is Matt Resch of Resch Strategies PR firm, former spokesperson for then-Lieutenant Governor Dick Posthumus. 
and Susan Demas, who's the publisher of Inside Michigan Politics. Uh, let's go to Richard in Hamtramck. Richard, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, hi, Stephen. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, you guys have been talking about the economic progress under Snyder, but I think that's uh, misguided. Uh, the uh, for the if you look at for the last decade, uh, rather than just the last year, the national economy has grown four times faster than Michigan's. And I would also point out that the medium household income in Michigan, fifty two thousand four ninety two, mm-hmm. is five thousand dollars below the national average. So I don't really think that his his economic record uh, is something to be touted. Yeah, yeah, uh, Richard. I think those are those are great numbers, and uh, they, they absolutely back up the criticism that that I think can rightfully be leveled at at Governor Steiner. We rank thirty fifth uh, in the nation in terms of median household uh, income. Uh, that's not a great that's not a great ranking. Uh, Matt and Susan, what I think is one of the things that 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 uh, has certainly gone on over the last eight years is that while the unemployment rate has gone down and businesses have done better, um, chiefly because of the the, the tax cut that uh, that they received, people in their pocketbooks, people who are trying to make ends meet, uh, send their kids to school, retire someday, are not seeing that difference in their wallets. They're not seeing that things are better. They are working uh, where they might not have been working 10 years ago, but they probably are working harder and bringing home less. And and that's one of the troubles I think uh, this governor has in sort of shaping this, this turnaround narrative around uh, his legacy. Susan, uh, what do you think about Rich, what Richard is talking about there? Well, there's no doubt that um, we've had a real stagnation in real wages for a while. Um, and, and so it, it is very difficult for people to feel like they're getting ahead uh, when, um, you know, there are a lot of people who are working harder and in many cases making less um, or at least have, have less take-home pay to, you know, spend on essentials or, you know, vacations or whatever they want to spend it on. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I do think that, that you're seeing that. Um, and it's not just in Michigan. This is a national problem. Um, the other thing um, that I think the legislature has identified is that in 2011, when we did the big tax reform, which, you know, certainly cut taxes for businesses, um, you know, it was a tax shift in many ways because we do have to balance budget in in our state. The feds don't have to, but we do. And, um, you know, they raised taxes on individuals by $1.4 billion mm-hmm. approximately. And so there are many people who were used to getting tax credits for their kids or for college tuition or to donate to charity, and suddenly they weren't getting those deductions. And, you know, that can definitely hurt when you're filing your taxes. And so, you know, right now, as we're trying to undo some of the damage from this federal tax plan that would actually uh, eliminate the personal exemption of $4,000, you know, people are looking at, well, not just restoring that, but let's go ahead and undo some of that 2011 tax reform and restore the child tax credit and try and soften that pension tax that people 
you know, have been uh, screaming about for so long. Yeah. Um, which, you know, was really um, what Rick Snyder wanted to be his legacy. He wanted to be known as the governor who overhauled the tax code, made it fairer, got rid of these exemptions, and turned the state around. And unfortunately for him, I think a lot of lawmakers, a lot of lawmakers from his party have realized that that was not highly popular. Mm -hmm. And in order to win the next election, they're willing to gut some of it. Right. Uh, Matt Rash, what do you what do you think of that? Well, I think, <clears throat> first to Richard's point, I just wanted to quickly say I think that, you know, whatever the numbers were that he cites, I certainly don't know how to or want to question them, but I think a, a big part of the narrative, the economic narrative of Michigan is not necessarily where we rank nationally today, but how far we've come and how far beyond behind the nation we were uh, 8 10 years ago. Um, all of those numbers that that Richard cites were way worse uh, before, and while we may not be leading the country in in certain economic cat categories, where we had a lot farther to come, we had you know everyone had a huge head start on us with the impact that the recession had on the auto industry and, and families throughout the state. Um, to Susan's point, I think she's absolutely right. I think that the the tax reform that happened at the beginning of the governor's uh, administration was very much kind of a was a shift kind of a, a real tax reform as opposed to a tax cut if you make that that uh that, that characteristic change and i think you start to see people like like attorney general bill shooty who's running for governor and some others in the legislature who are giving voice to those who are saying yeah we we, we fixed tax we quote unquote fixed taxes um but that didn't touch the real people and that's why we you know at this point Let's look at the, the income tax, and let's let's deliver something for those folks who have been paying the bills um, for these last eight years, um, and, and give some real relief. Yeah. And that's not an argument that's going to be going away over the next uh, ten months. Right. So I, I want to shift gears just a little bit here and talk about something else uh, with regard to the governor's speech. Uh, governor Snyder once called himself the most pro-immigration governor in the country, but last night. He didn't even mention immigration, and that's at a time when we were seeing lots of discussion about uh, immigration going on at the federal level in particular, but also here in Michigan. One of the people who was in attendance for the state of state last night was Cindy Garcia, who is the wife of Jorge Garcia, a 39-year-old Lincoln Park father of two who was recently deported to Mexico. He was brought here as a 10-year-old, which means he was just a little too old to qualify for DACA protections. He got sent back to Mexico after living in this country for 30 years. Despite not having committed any crimes uh, during that time, he still was sent away. Detroit Today producer Jake Neer spoke with Cindy Garcia at the state capitol after Snyder's speech last night about how the family is holding up. It's been hard. It's been a living nightmare, but I'm living day by day by the grace of God. Uh, how, how's Jorge? Have you heard uh, from him and, and what his situation has been? We don't get to talk to him every day because of the mountains, but whenever he does give us a call, he does sound depressed. He sounds down, but we tell him that we're all supporting him. We're all trying to bring him back and that his family is here. Reach out and touch us. When it comes to where you find yourself right now, talk a little bit about um, what it's been like for you and your family so far, um, you know, paint us a picture of, of what it means when someone is when someone is taken away from a family. I have to say that January 15th was a living nightmare. It was grief beyond imaginable. 
a father being taken away from his children and he was taken away from his spouse. Obviously in the video, people can see that my 12 year old son did not want to hug him because he was in a state of shock. Me and my daughter did not want to let him go, but we had no choice to let him go because of the ICE agents being present and them telling him he has to leave. So he left. What are your hopes for the future at this point? Our hopes are that we're able to bring him back with a clear and safe conscience of our own. We don't want this to get ugly. We want a clear citizenship path for the people that are still here. And for my husband that is over there, we want to bring him back the legal way, as people say, without no strings attached, nothing. We want a clear path for him and everybody else. When you say you hope it doesn't get ugly, I'm curious what you, what you mean by that. Can you expand on that? Yes, there's sticks and stones being thrown at me and my family, vicious rumors that are out there, and those rumors are not true. All I can say is that my husband is not a criminal. Um, when it comes to the speech today, um, you know, uh, being in the room, what was your reaction to what you heard from Governor Snyder today? Do you relate it in any way to the situation that you find yourself in right now? Um, he did not touch on anything on regarding immigration, so I would have to say no due, due to that fact that he, he just talked about the wonderful things about Michigan and the future that he has for it. As um, uh, someone who once called himself the most pro-immigration governor in the country uh, and talked extensively in these speeches near the beginning of his term about immigration, bringing people here, about how good that was for the economy, is there a contrast that you draw between that and, and what you heard tonight? Um, I guess yes and no, because he's doing what is the law. So, of course, we want people to come here legally, and he's doing that. But for the people that are already here that was brought as children, there needs to be a clear path to citizenship for them so they can be given the same opportunity as the other ones. You're going to be going to the State of the Union as well, I believe. Um, what do you hope to hear from that? And is it going to be difficult in some ways to, to be there in a room that's sort of celebrating in, in some ways in, in an administration that has been so gung-ho in enforcing immigration laws uh, and in some ways going uh, back pre-Obama era on a lot of those policies that were adopted during that time? Um, it can be heartbreaking because the president said one thing and did another regarding the criminals. So I do understand that the law is the law, but my husband is no criminal. And also, you know, like I said, we are heartbroken. So this separation affected me and my family, and me and the kids just wanted to know why. When we were on a path to citizenship, all we wanted was an extension, and hopefully that DACA would pass, the DREAM Act would pass, that the people that were already here Broadest children would have the opportunity to, to go forth and make themselves the American dream. Go to Yale, go to Harvard, become doctors and lawyers, be given that opportunity to go forth in their lives for their children and the children yet to come. That was Cindy Garcia, the wife of Jorge Garcia, the Lincoln Park father of two, who was recently deported to Mexico after living in the U.S. for 30 years. Uh, Matt Resch and uh, Susan Demas, I want to get your reactions uh, to that, but but I mostly want to get you to talk about what this governor's legacy is when it comes to immigration. He said before that he wanted to be the most pro-immigration governor in the United States. He didn't even talk about it last night as we have these dramatic 
stories unfolding uh, in our in our state. I'll start with you, Susan. Well, it was very striking that the governor didn't talk about immigration because, you know, it's a, a huge issue nationally right now. It was a big part of the federal government shutdown that we had for three days. Um, and um, he was such a leader on the issue nationally um, and, and really breaking from the more conservative elements of the Republican Party. He very much voiced um, I would say the uh, viewpoint of the George W. Bush, you know, part of the party who, you know, wanted to emphasize opportunity and the economic contributions that, you know, people coming into this country could make. Uh, we do have an awful lot of entrepreneurs in Michigan who are immigrants and, and across the country. And, th and that's very important to Rick Snyder, who's a businessman. Um, it's, it's been very striking since uh, President Trump was elected that the governor has chosen to be all the more silent on the issue, um, which, you know, I believe he, you know, has been pretty passionate about. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and in, in Michigan, it, you know, we're not talking just about affecting um, the Latino population, uh, which is smaller than in other states. Uh, we do have a Muslim community, but we also have a very strong Iraqi Christian community, yes. the Chaldeans, that you know are actually uh, you know a pretty big force in the Republican Party, and they've been targeted quite yes. a bit by yes. this administration. So you know you, you've heard from Congressman Sandy Levin, from Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, who have a lot of these people in their districts. Um, but, you know, silence from the governor's office, um, for the most part. And, it, you know, it's, it's hard not to see that the elephant in the room is that, you know, his lieutenant governor, Brian Kelly, wants to succeed him. And there's no way to win a Republican primary without attracting the support That's of really people true. who are very, very anti-immigration right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt Resch, uh, what, what's the, the, the governor's legacy with immigration? Th think of this office for new Americans that he uh, that, that he started. Has that made a difference uh, for people in the state? Well, you know, <clears throat> I think that in order to understand the governor's legacy and, and his his goals on the immigration issue, you have to come back to what drives all of his decision making. And it's it's a business. It's the business case. Um, I don't want to say that he doesn't, he's not looking at these people and looking at them as humans and, and the human toll that we just heard from, from Mrs. Garcia and, mm -hmm. and what that plays out in, and for her family. But it's, it's filling jobs. It's attracting high-skilled workers from high-tech company or high-tech countries. It is, um, you know, a lot of, we didn't talk about this yet and I don't, I'm sure we're going to have, be able to, but the, his focus on CTE and high school uh, mm -hmm. tech training, it's, mm -hmm. It's about fitting people into their economic place. And I, I think that a lot of what has driven the, the governor's focus on immigration is that. It's, it's the, economic, um, the economic part as opposed to the, you know, the, the philosophical or the ideological um, or the emotional arguments that, that come with some of these tough issues. And I think that Susan is absolutely right that the, you know, the, 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 the two-word answer to why he didn't say anything last night was Brian Kelly. Um, and you know, mm. his lieutenant governor is going to be running for a Republican nomination for governor. And if he were to have made DACA or federal immigration policy 
a, a point of his speech last night, Brian Kelly would have had cameras in his face as he walked out of the chamber asking him what he thinks about that, <laughs> followed closely behind by Bill Schuette, asking him what he thinks of that, and then we would be, that would be the focus of today um, and not what the governor said. Yeah. Okay, Matt Resch of Resch Strategies PR, former spokesperson for then Lieutenant Governor Dick Posthumus, and Susan Demas, publisher of Inside Michigan Politics. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Up next, we are going to talk about the state of the city and the state of the state together. What's the state of Black Detroit and what's the role that Black Detroit ought to be playing as a national model for culture and investment and development? Very interesting conversation coming up next. Stay with us on Detroit Today.